0: Yo, it's Poppin', it's your man, Dean Edwards. Welcome to another episode of Further Protocol, presented by All Things Comedy Network. As promised last week, we, we had such a good time, with my man Judah Friedlander. We brought him back for part two. So we're going to get right into it. Make sure y'all check out uh, many of the other podcasts available on All Things Comedy. And uh, yo, yo, boom, we, we're we back here with my man Judah. We've we spoken so much about New York City yeah. and, and, and gentrification. How like how did you I love finding out how comics started. Where did this oh, journey yeah. start for you? You you said you're originally from uh from Maryland. Your dad's yeah. from Brooklyn, but you're yeah. originally you were born and yeah. raised in Maryland.
1: Yeah. Where in Maryland? Uh Gaithersburg. Gathersburg. Yeah, for a little while. Born in Maryland and then when I was real little moved to San Diego when I was like a couple months old or something. You know, I felt like I wanted to check out the West Coast. Okay. When I was, okay. when I was about four months old. Okay. I was like, all right. Let's check out the West Coast. What'd you think? Oh, it was, uh, it was cool. Okay. Yeah, was okay. Cool. And then when I was 10, I was feeling, you know what, let's go back. Let's okay. Go back to Maryland. Okay. Let's go, back to Maryland. okay. Let's go back to East Coast. And your family was, was, uh. And my parents company. were like, all right, yeah, we'll do that. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. You
0: know. Mine so, were
1: just the opposite. They so, were like, all right, dad got a uh, promotion. We're moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, I know. know. I know Joyce in <laughs> it, But, uh, yeah. So, no. So I was, uh, When I was 16 Mm -hmm. is when I realized was stand-up comedy is something that you could do. Okay. Um, Before that, I'd seen comedians on TV. Mm. Not that often. I didn't have cable growing up. Okay. And uh, my parents were real strict. We weren't allowed to watch much TV or anything like that. But uh, my, you know... My parents liked and respected comedy. Really? Uh, yeah. My I remember my, my my dad had like a Lenny Bruce album. And, mm, okay. And uh, so, but I, it was like, I never thought that comedy was, it never even occurred to me that you could be a comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, every once in a while you'd see Roddy Dangerfield, Steve Martin. Right. You know, Eddie Murphy, uh. You know, but it never occurred that you could do that. Mm-hmm. And then a show came on in 1985. 1985 was when we got a VCR. Oh, yeah. okay. First <laughs> which, VCR. Was, which was very, that was which a which big was deal, years, deal back years. then, yeah. And we still didn't have cable. But on the VCR, you could program it to record shows mm-hmm. at different times of the Time day record. and night. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to stay up late or anything. And then just you know scanning the TV. This is all pre-internet, you guys. Right. So we actually uh, had to yeah. have a TV guy. You had a TV guy right? that came once a week, every yep. Sunday, with the local paper, right. and then it would list all the TV shows. And I saw a thing on there. It said Comedy Tonight. And I was, what was that? So I, I no, I think, I think just flicking the channels. I saw it once. I was mm-hmm. like, and it was these. It was it came out in New York. Mm-hmm. It was all comedians you'd never heard of, right. and and they're just. Uh, like a 30-minute show, like three or four comics a show, and they're just, you know, on stage telling jokes. And I thought it was so funny. Mm-hmm. And after the comic got off, the host would ask him, "So what are you up to?" Do like a little quick interview. And uh-huh. be like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing, uh, doing Caroline's this right. week." Yeah. Right. And then he'd go to somebody in the audience, "What's your favorite club?" And I was like, "What? There's." There's comedy clubs. Right. I, didn't, I, I, I didn't. I didn't know there were comedy clubs. Right. I'm like. I'm like. Oh, you can do this. I'm like. I want to do that. Right. You know? So. So I started writing jokes. I just started oh, writing wow. jokes like crazy. So, but I was like super introverted. Uh-huh. Super introverted. That's what I, what I was going to ask. And I was making short films. I was okay. making. Uh, when I was about eighth, I always did. Like I said, I always did a lot of art. My mom did a lot of art. Like when I was a little kid, sometimes like uh, my mom be doing something, so she'd drop me off at. Uh, my dad's work, and and he'd be busy, so he'd go to my brother. He'd tear off like a big sheet of like brown paper that's on a roll. Uh huh. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, I remember. And, and and he would tear it off and be like, "All right, go, 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 draw something." <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and, and and we were delighted with that big sheet you of paper. Had ten feet by yeah, ten yeah, yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. Just... We're like, we're like, this is amazing. I right. think kids today would be, uh, they'd probably call the cops, and the right. parents would get arrested for doing right. something like that. But. Uh, uh, it was awesome. So we just like, you know, draw there and stuff. And so uh, you know, when I was a kid, I always did, I never really had the action figures or any of that. It was mm-hmm. either go outside and play, do mm-hmm. sports or stay inside and, you know, do do art stuff, right. you know, uh, or indoor sports, you know. Right. But, uh, but um, so I started writing jokes at 16 and then... Oh yeah, so I had been doing like animation and stuff, mm. which again is like a lonely solo thing. As what you, are you shooting on? I, I like had super super eight movie film, wow. okay. which was wow. that was the consumer my that was the consumer home video, right? Because uh, home video cameras actually came a little later than the film cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people made their little home movies, uh, super eight film preceded home video, right? And, uh, and, and you had a cartridge and, you had, and it gave you three minutes and 20 seconds of film. Right. No sound. Right. <laughs> and then after you film that, three minutes only right. and 20 seconds. Like right. kids today can't even imagine that yeah. this was exciting. So after you film that, you drop it off at like a photo right, mat right, at right, a development mat. place. And then a week later... You would get it back. You know? Right. And then you thread it into a projector right. and you project it. And it's yeah. Right. And it's three minutes and 20 seconds of, of silent film. Right. But I loved it, you know. So I think it was eighth or ninth grade. I had a substitute teacher mm-hmm. who looking back at the time, I'm sure she was I'm sure she was gay. Mm-hmm. She was uh she was an she she was an artist lady uh-huh. and she we had a thing where she that was my first exposure to filmmaking. Mm. She got blank film. Uh, It was uh, just rolls of film, Mm -hmm. just white, what they call leader, white leader film, which is what you put at the beginning of the film to thread it in. Because you can put your fingers on that without damaging it. Right, right. Right. So she gave us that and uh, she had us draw on there. And when you draw on there and project it, you see your drawings move and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I got kind of hooked on. And then I was really into like, like movie special effects, but not these. This is pre computer effects, right. so this is all like live, making like you know, you know, models out stop of clay and stuff. Right. So I was really into that. So I was like, I want to do like be like a special effects guy in the movies or okay. something like that. Okay. Uh, so but then I remember now,
0: while you're saying this, are you thinking to yourself, and this
1: will be my way into comedy? Or this no, no, pretty, this isn't comedy. I was, you know, but even as a and in my book, actually, I have uh in my book in if the raindrops and if if the raindrops united in your yeah, book coming if out if the raindrops united yeah so in that book in the introduction i have two drawings of when i was uh one from when i was 10 and one from when i was 11 mm-hmm. and and one is a serious political cartoon oh wow about polish leader lech Walesa being arrested by the Russians, okay. I'm, okay. I'm like, wow! I was 11. I was into this shit. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's like I've always been into these like world issues, Evidently. you know. And then, and then uh, I did one, which is from, not surprising because yeah.
0: your dad had Lenny Bruce,
1: right, to, right, right. To right. me, the,
0: the, yeah. you you really want to see uh, into someone's soul. Look at their record album, yeah. Which is which yeah. you can't really do nowadays because people just download any and right. every song. But back right. in the days, you could look and see where someone's head yeah, was. Yeah, it's like I'm looking at your books. And right.
1: like I, lo- I love your book collection. And it's like, you're right. The your Walking Dead you, you, to Nelson Mandela's
0: see. long book, The
1: Freedom. <laughs> Dude, that might be an amazing movie. You right. Someone would probably <laughs> fund that. Um, uh, so, yeah. So then, um, yeah, my dad was always, uh, and in the, in the book, uh, in, in the dedication, I, uh, I mentioned him and my mom oh, and no. uh, how my mom really... She got me into art, you know, because I was always doing art and stuff. And my dad really taught me to, like, always question authority. Oh, okay. You you know, and uh, so, uh, you know, not just believe everything you hear, you know, just really, you know, critical thinking and analyzing. And, 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 you know, and that's one thing I've learned over the years in show business, even. Often when someone uh, is asking you to, I remember, like, you know, the first time you get offered to do a TV thing or whatever, to work a club, you're like, oh, wow, they're, they're doing me this great favor. Right. Often you realize when they're saying, uh, when, when they're saying, oh, here's something we'll, we want you to do, right. they're actually saying, fuck you. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're taking advantage of it. Right. Right. Uh, not always, but often. Um, so, yeah. So getting back to comedy. So no. Uh, so I, yeah. When I, so when I was a kid, I did like political cartoons and mm. stuff. I would draw them. Mm-hmm. But still doing stand-up wasn't really a thing. But okay. I was always fascinated. Like, you know, I love the Three Stooges. Yeah, Uh and Costello. Costello. Loved Loved I mean, it. and then I remember when uh, you know Eddie, you know Eddie Murphy's uh, delirious. Yeah, delirious. Yeah, that's, know, a, I think that's just, a turning point for just seeing, a lot of people in our just generation. Seeing clips of that, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, wow. And then I saw Trading Places, right. and I, I was like, I'm like, man, right. that guy's so funny. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like telling my dad about him, and right. my dad's telling me about other comics. And, I think Murphy was yeah. so
0: exciting for us because he looked. Like us in a way. Yeah, you know? yeah, he yeah. Was, no, he, he, was, he wasn't, oh, like everyone else up until that point was an adult. But Right, Eddie right, Murphy right. Was, Even though he was
1: an adult, he was an adult, but people he was, also he had forget, young swagger. People forget how young he was yeah, when he man. made it. I mean, he, he, Delirious,
0: I, he was, I think, 21.
1: Yeah, I mean, when he did Trading Places, he yeah. was under 25. Yeah. Which yeah. is hard to imagine today yeah. that a comedian could be that big like picture
0: Ephron <laughs> on a world
1: level right, right. and and people Telling say jokes. he's the funniest guy right right i mean i mean people, yeah, people forget how big a movie star Eddie Murphy is. Yeah, i mean he was he was know.
0: he was the first Mr. Box office really you know yeah. he was he was that first dude and yeah. he was black which which yeah. was also and under
1: 25 under you know under 25 <laughs> you know it's like yeah. it's like you look at uh you know the 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 biggest black comics today. I mean, Kevin Hart is the biggest right. money making comic. comic today. Yeah, yeah. you know, big, big, biggest touring. No, no, big. but I mean, he's the biggest money making comic. Period. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, but he's also black, and he also right. makes movies that make a fortune. But is you know, he
0: bigger than Russell Peters? Because Russell, I think is I think Russell still has a worldwide more worldwide domination. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it you know? could be. It could be. I mean, Russell's massive. Yeah. You, you know, but. But you look at both those guys. Russell's probably in his forties. Kevin's yeah. thirty uh, probably
0: 32,
1: thirty-two. Yeah, he's in yeah. Kevin Kevin's in his thirties. Yeah. And but it's like Eddie Murphy was like twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. twenty-two. <laughs> and the biggest movie star in the world. Right. He conquered <laughs> I, mean, everything. I, mean, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> People forget how ridiculous right. that is. I know, it's, yeah. It's like it's like imagine how big Kevin Art is now, and Eddie Murphy was doing it. 22 right 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 you know right, right. I mean, kevin's, you know, kevin's right. also i mean he's playing massive bigger venues than right. anyone's ever played right. kind of but uh but and and that's awesome <laughs> right right but uh so anyways get back to it so it's like i always knew about stand-up and actually when i was a kid i remember being in junior high school we called it junior high back then we didn't yeah, call we it middle did. school right that's true <laughs> and my junior high was seven through nine yes yeah, uh, thing. and then ours high... was actually seventh and eighth. yeah and then where i was depending on what neighborhoods you were in. But what the neighborhood I was in, high school was 9 through 12. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, 10 through 12. Oh, okay. Uh, the, my high school. My high school was big. Uh, and, uh, and and very, very mixed. Very mixed. Uh, uh, you know, it was... My high school was probably about uh, 30% black. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, was, there was a little bit of Asian. There was a fair amount of Indian. And then there was a... There was there was no upper class but there was you know any any from lower class to middle to middle upper class mm-hmm. um and same thing once yeah. again I yeah. you
0: strike me as someone that didn't you didn't come up in a bubble where you seem yeah. you have a world yeah. perspective yeah you know? we
1: had a uh we had a uh there was there was and there was the, I remember in our high school there was a lot of race a lot of racial problems mm-hmm. right and it was mm-hmm. and I was always fascinated by it right because there were I remember there were some real like uh redneck-y guys and you know you you would see Confederate flag jeans mm. jackets and mm. I remember one guy's And this is in Maryland. This is in Maryland, yeah. Big Maryland it. was a border state. Yeah, so it really is. mason yeah. Dixon line yeah. is in the northern part of Maryland. Right. And uh so uh so there's a lot of history there. Right. And uh and there's and there's you know, black communities and neighborhood that have been there for years, right. you know, and uh and, and, and white neighborhoods too. And I remember in history class, tenth grade history class, we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about you know slavery and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And you know, one one white kid, his name was Chardy, C H A R D Y C-H-A-R-D-Y, Chardy. And I'm like, wow, that sounds Mason. Dixon. That might be the redneckiest name I've ever yeah. heard. I remember he had, some, he had some jeans and he had a he had a Confederate flag on it on his on a, the on his back like uh, like G. Bruce Springsteen yeah. yeah like on his butt the boys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but Ray there were also big league chured. There was a, there were there was a black gang at my high school half went to my high school half went to another high school and everyone was afraid of them and there were, and there was like a, there was like a couple white gangs too but uh, maybe a couple black gangs but there was one that everyone was afraid of mm. and i remember the first time i saw him, Remember the uh, name? Oh, I know the name. I'm gonna get to it. <laughs> I'm gonna get to it. So I remember this is about 1984, 1985. There's a huge graffiti of the Ghostbusters symbol. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, from the movie. Yeah, yeah. From the movie the poster. Big ghost with You know the, the, that the that the big happy smiley, the, yeah. uh, white kind of chubby ghost, and, and then the you know the the, the red circle right. around it with the line. Um, yeah. So that was this gang's name. They were called the Ghostbusters.
0: Oh. Oh, that's cold Which means I know they, exactly what it means
1: They beat up white people I know exactly what it means <laughs> yeah. So oh, half wow. went to my high school Half went to another that's- high school And then nobody fucked with the Ghostbusters <laughs> what, You know what Nobody fucked like, I, are- I think it's the best gang name ever Dude yeah. it's like This movie came out
0: Someone was like This is
1: brilliant <laughs> <laughs> Best name ever for a gang oh, <laughs> So the Ghostbusters That's what. Best- you couldn't even you couldn't even say who they are because you knew to never make eye contact with right, one of them. If you right. made eye contact with one of the hallway, it's like, forget it. So you, they you, were you know. like Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah you, forget you, it. You said yeah, yeah. <laughs> one time they showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone knew it. it's like, you know, don't don't fuck with the Ghostbusters. Don't Do make eye contact with Ghostbusters. With... No, no. Because they no. could have gone to yeah. they could
0: have gone to the gap yeah. <laughs> and gotten Ghostbusters apparel yeah. and just cut off the sleeves.
1: Yeah, I remember one day talking to about the different gangs with one guy And he was saying all the different ones I can't remember the other names but there were, there were a few. Big. Yeah. But you and didn't then, join a gang. No. Now what no. you you were in I the wasn't film? in any clique. I wasn't in any clique. Yeah,
0: you seemed like you could sort of you were cool no, with everyone. No, I was just
1: kind of uh But introverted. You know, yeah, yeah, loner, introverted. You played ping pong though, yeah? Yeah, I played soccer and ping pong okay. or I mean soccer was my main game, but I did mm-hmm. play ping pong then too. Okay. Uh, but soccer was my main game any aspirations to go did you think you were going to oh yeah no when i was a little kid i wanted to play pro soccer Digging. definitely and then i think in 1984 the pro league in this country folded oh. so it was like the dream was over right. but there, there <laughs> but there was like indoor leagues and stuff and and then in the in the mid 90s is 94 the us hosted the world cup and i mm-hmm. think it was the following year 95 or 96 when our current pro league mls started and okay. that's still going well thankfully okay. um but yeah so when i was 16 i saw that show and that's when i realized oh you can do this so i'm like i want to do this mm-hmm. and then a little bit before that i got into filmmaking and screenwriting like i okay. was saying okay and so i was really into the special effects and i was a big star wars fan and i wanted to do the stop motion yeah. animation and all this stuff talking about that mike and i yep and then i uh yeah, because I I read George George Lucas had a book called Skywalking that was really cool. Mm, and, I remember that. And uh, and then I would read, you know, Fangoria and all these other magazines like Cinemagic, Starlog, Cinemagic, all, wow. all about, uh, you know, how to make your own low-budget effects out of just household appliances right. and stuff. So, but then in 1982, I think it was, I saw the movie Diner. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen Diner. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Mickey Rourke, R- 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 Kevin yeah. Bacon, yeah. Steve Gutenberg, Paul mm-hmm. Reiser, yeah. uh, it, was, it was Daniel Stern, early in these guys' right. career. Right. And the movie's almost all dialogue. There's practically no plot. And it's just young guys just sitting around talking. Right. And I thought the movie was so funny. It's like early Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was so funny, the movie. And I was like, wow, words are really powerful. Yeah, yeah. So that got me into dialogue and comedy and words. Okay. And then. So that was around like 82, 83 or something like that. And then it was, like I said, 85 is when I, got a, when I realized that you could do stand-up. Right. So then I started writing jokes. Mm-hmm. And then the first time I went on was 89. Okay. I went on in 89. It was still in Maryland? Yeah, I was okay. actually, I was in New York. I actually went to NYU film school. Okay. I don't like to mention that because I did not like the school. Why not? And, it was kind of like what I was saying about Manhattan earlier. Okay. It, it felt like very elitist. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I and I felt like which is funny. I, I, and and there were turned,
0: cool. when I applied, they turned me down. Did they? I applied them. I NYU. believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's like it's it, and I think now it's even more so. I mean, mm. it, it's it's like it's the now. Richest Mike school in the world now. Uh, but it, it felt like just such a big bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. They didn't care about you. Some professors were good, but but. Uh, a fair amount were shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, that was also cool. That was a fun, one fun class I took there. I took an African-American literature class. Oh, that's, and what, the, that's and one the, the And the teacher was a white lady. The teacher was a white lady. <laughs> and the class was like.
0: Did you, did you feel like it was a jip?
1: <laughs> no, dude, The class, the first day of that class, because the class was. First of all, NYU, I think, was the whitest school I'd ever gone. To. Right, <laughs> and you know, in those college brochures, they act like, "Oh, it's so international." Because they'll, they'll have the picture of an yeah, Asian yeah, kid, yeah. the Asian kid, the black dude yeah. with the little afro. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Attell has a hilarious bit about about the college brochure uh, right. covers right. where it's like it's you know it's like a black guy high fiving a kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know, it's like I forget his bit, but Dave, it's I'm sure it's on one of Dave's albums. It's so funny, but yeah. but that's the way you know they market is this is this oh it's just this. We're right in New York, we're and, we're, and we're and we're so diverse. Whitest fucking school I'd ever been to, <laughs> you know. So, and you know, least diverse school, and that's where I was exposed to. Like, I'm like, wow, okay, now I see what rich is, you know. Because right. and it wasn't what I thought it was. Right. Uh, we, you know, we talked about that before, but uh, so I, I didn't like that. But you know, I went to school pre-internet, and right. so I got to meet other people who wanted to do you know filmmaking and other creative things, okay. and and. But the best thing about it for me was it got me to New York. Right. You know, I wanted to get to New York. And so I I moved to New York when I started there, which was 87. Okay. So that got me to New York. But I never really... And NYU didn't even really feel like a school. It just felt like... And back then, it was more of a commuter school than it is now. Uh I think there were were six dorms back then. Wow. And now all the dorms that are like right around Washington Square Park, they're all freshman-only dorms. Mm. And when I went, there were all four-year dorms. You so know. where so were you staying? I mm-hmm. was at a place called Brittany on Broadway and 10th okay. for three years and then one I year I was at I, yeah, Reuben on 5th Avenue. Okay. 10th. So, and the rooms had no cable, there was no air conditioning, it was a much, you know, even though it was, it was it was definitely had that rich kid, mm-hmm. you know, like, like when I, I remember being in film class and, and, and thinking like, wow, a lot of these people really aren't that into it. It, it, it mm. felt like it was like a camp for rich kids. Right. I, I, I'm like, it was I know. I offensive to there, You, yeah. Who I'm like, really I'm like I went passion. there to fucking make it. Right. I wanted it like, so I would, you know, a lot of classes I want to go to. I was just making, trying to make my movies all the right. time, you know. And then when I was a sophomore year, uh, it was spring break. Sophomore year is when I was like, I was 19. I'm like, I got to get on stage before I'm 20. Mm-hmm. Got to do it before I'm. Oh 20. wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. You yeah. gave yourself. Yeah. A, so that was like a goal. So yeah. surely, you know, when I so when I was still 19, I think it was pretty. I think my birthday was coming up pretty okay. soon. Uh, you know, spring break, I went back to my folks in Maryland. Uh-huh. You know, live about, a, you know, a little, little less than an hour outside of D.C. Right. Drove into D.C., signed up for the open mic at a club called Garvin's. Okay. Which is no longer there. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, I think I had to get there at like six to sign up. And this is different than a New York City open mic or an L.A. open mic where the only audience members are other comics. Right. This is sort of like, a, more like of a road room where on the open mic night, they actually get a, a real audience. Oh, yes. And so it's a mix of the local professional comics and local comics just starting. Right. So I got there. I think I had a stop around six and I don't think I went around to around 11. Mm, so I'm literally right. just, I am so nervous. Right. And I'm, I put together what I thought was five minutes right. and I'm just going over and over it, just saying it to myself over right. and over again. I'm, you know, hanging out in the back of the room in my mind doing it. Right. I go in the bathroom, I rehearse it. While other I, comics are performing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go out to my car again and sit in there for a while <laughs> and do it. And then there's a guy who's on before me and I don't know, you know, he's, he's, he's probably Pakistani or Indian or Bangladeshi and he he's going on before me. And I don't know how old he was. He was a lot older than me. So like when you're 19, <laughs> you someone's him. 30 might seem like they're 50. You yeah, know, what, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I so, I don't know how old he was, but he was... He was certainly, he was probably in his 30s or 40s. Yeah, he was an adult, you know. So he was really eating it up there. And the audience is starting to filter out. So the host comes up to me. God, what was his name? Black guy. I think his last name was Watt. Might have been JC Watt. I can't remember. Anyways, uh, he comes up to me and he goes, I'm cutting you to three. And my first instinct was, oh, man, this guy's being a jerk. And then, you know, and of course in retrospect, and I mean I was nice to him, but in retrospect I realized, no, he was just trying to get everyone on because right. the audience was starting to filter out. Right. You know, and it, and it was late. So I went up there and I got I got some I got some little laughs. Okay. You know what it takes. And uh, yeah. but uh, immediately when I got on stage, it felt warm. And it felt right and yeah. it felt like home. Yeah. It just felt yeah. right.
0: Yeah, man.
1: It just like that
0: first time.
1: Really. Yeah, it just felt like the bright fit. It, it just yeah. felt right. And then I didn't do it again for like six months. Uh-huh. And uh Was that intentional or just because yeah, no I getting... thought that's how the comedy business worked. I I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you like the, it, you do it biannually. Yeah, yeah. Like I literally thought <laughs> Like if I ever saw a comic on Carson or Letterman that I didn't know, uh-huh. you know, like you know, not like Ronnie Dangerfield, but like some unknown comic, right. and I saw them on one of those shows, I really thought like maybe they had been on ten to twenty times. I oh, I, I had no idea oh. how things worked, right? And like I literally thought Johnny Carson would like have a, like a cigar in his mouth, like a hot young blonde chick around his arm around her, and maybe maybe two girls, and he just. Like he might stroll into a comedy club at eleven, walk in, and then he'd go to the girls, like, hey, see if this guy's any good, you know? And then uh and then and then and then to then what he would say to the girls to give the appearance that he's a nice guy, he'll be like, Yeah, I think I'll give this kid a break, put him on my show. Yeah. You know, I I literally thought that's how it worked. I had no clue.
0: You know about agents? You <laughs> know, nothing.
1: There's, there's, nothing. Nothing. You know about so, auditioning? Yeah. So the second time I went up, which was also at Garvin's, now it's okay. summertime, I had a great set. Okay. And I remember, I think Chappelle was on that show. Oh, wow. Uh, Dave Edwards was on that oh, show. Wow. Yeah, because they and they uh, And I had a good set. I think Blaine Kapatch was on that show. Mm. Mark Voice. Blaine, Blaine Kapatch writes for uh, At Midnight. Hilarious okay. guy. He okay. was from, I think, York, PA. But so he would do the... Baltimore and D.C. Right, right. stuff. That's right, and so, or he might have been there the first night I did. I can't remember. But I remember I had a really good set that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, Did Dave Edwards and Chappelle come up to you and like, hey, man. I hey. may have, I didn't say, I don't, I didn't say hi. I was very, still very course, shy. Yeah. So I didn't say hi to uh, Chappelle, but uh, I think Dave Edwards, I may have said, I may have had a little bit of talking okay. too. But I remember, I think that night it was me and Chappelle, at the, at the, from what I remember, had the best sets that night. Oh, wow. And I remember there was one black guy. Comic, uh, who went on, and after the show, a white audience member comes out and says, "Because he hey, man, you were great," mm-hmm. and he said, "Thanks." And that guy thought that he was Chappelle, so uh, it, was a, it was a white guy mistaking a black guy for another black guy. And and and, and then and actually, I think that guy didn't even go on typical. that night, and he, just went, and he just went. He just went. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take so, that debt. Uh, so then, uh, when. Then I was like a junior, so then I was doing it like a handful of times. I'd but
0: are you only doing it when so you go I'm back, back in home? New- no, no. So now or, I'm back now in, New in New York. Now and,
1: and- in like so now I'm 20, back in New York. I still don't know how the comedy business works, right. and I'm also making short movies at mm-hmm. school. And you know, like I said, I use the term "school" loosely because right. I mean my education is right. basically a high school education. Because I we you know I think things are different now at NYU, but when I went there, there were hardly any regular classes you had to Mm -hmm. take. Mm -hmm. I had to take one science class. Mm. And I took it. And it was easier than any high school science class I (laughs) ever took. It was basically like a sex ed. Right. You know, okay. I remember on the final, one of the The questions. The man
0: inserts into the woman. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and I hardly even went to class. And one of the questions on the final was, labor is the process of giving birth, true or false? Oh, wow. (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is... I'm
0: paying 30000 for yeah, this? Yeah, that,
1: that makes you hate the school even more. Right. Right? You know, so... And then... Uh, so I would do stand-up a handful of times, and I was doing pretty well. And I'd do a mix of open mics, and this then sometimes the there might this- be... And this is pre-alternative scene. Right. There's right. basically like four or five clubs in the city. Right. And... Uh, there's four or five clubs in the city, and then there's some- a lot in the tri-state area right. rooms, and then there's some like, you know, one-nighters at right. shitty bars. right and And the shows were different at those shitty bars mm-hmm. because there were shitty dive bars back then right. manhattan doesn 't really have dive right. bars anymore. Anyway. Right. people call them dive bars, but they 're yeah, still like, body to body right. young yeah. rich kids partying you know back then, it was three old white guys right. in their sixties or seventies right. like career alcoholics right and and no one, one of them else and no Sully. One, yeah, <laughs> and no one else in the bar right. you know, that's it um, so uh and then, but uh, you know, I, I still didn't realize you're supposed to go out every night. So right. I would just do it once in a while. And then when I got out of school, when I was like 22, that's when I kind of realized, oh, you're supposed to be doing this every night. So that's when I started going out like. And you every so night. you graduate from NYU and you stay in New York City. I stay in New York. I stay in New York. I get all kinds of shitty day jobs. Right. Shitty apartments. Right. Uh, but you're a comedian, so you
0: you're keeping the day jobs to pay your bills, so you can work on your comedy at night. And then
1: after about a couple, yeah, and after about a couple years, I I uh, you know I get into some clubs. I get I think I got a New York comedy club, Mm -hmm. which just opened. New York, New York
0: is like everyone's.
1: That was the club. I remember. I think I even remember. Boston Comedy Club saying that they didn't count New York Comedy Club as a credit.
0: Yeah, New York Comedy Club was was sort of uh And that's when it was like on
1: 2nd the- Avenue 49th Street. Oh wow. uh, Yeah, it used to be on 2nd Avenue 49th Street. And then it moved to where it is now. Yeah, yeah. So um so so I would get up there and you know these you are. What did Al Martin do to piss people off where they they they've never given his clubs They're just do? Yeah, no, I, I have no problem with Al. And I don't Al either. and Al's like you know, because, you know, he would often do, like, some stuff that was shady and stuff. But right. but now I, I, I like him better than a lot of other people because with Al— you, you, you Al know, owns well, New York—or used to own New York comedy right. Club, still owns Broadway right. comedy Club. But with Al, I remember back then, so, it's like I didn't realize it at first. But then after a while, you know, I came to realize it later. It's like there's always going to be—not there's not always, but there's likely always going to be some kind of a catch. Mm-hmm. And as long as you know that going in— Right. You know, you're going to be getting into something, right. you know, as opposed to other people who give you that legit smile and everything hey, yeah, and they're screwing you. you and you don't even realize right. until later. With all right. it, you realize this is what you got, you right. know Right. You know I mean? so, so, uh, um, but I remember I stopped working there for years. Uh, Rumpelmeyer. Rumpelmeyer. Uh, yeah. Ah, wow, you just took it back. So Rumpelmeyer, uh... Yeah, so he... I remember I'm hosting a prom show uh-huh. from like one in the morning to three in the morning. Ugh. And at New York Comedy Club. Prom shows and are the Rumble worst. And Rumblemeyer wouldn't pay me. Uh, and I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm fucking No, out of here. Judah, I'm <laughs>
0: sorry. I'm not going to give you your money. Mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, Rumble- wouldn't what, you what give me $5? <laughs> right. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm not coming back. And then, you know, years later, I wound up going back. So, right. you know, but... Uh, um, yeah, so, happened, so so... So, yeah, so I would just do... You know, you know, mostly open mics. And right. I remember back then, I couldn't get up on it. There weren't that as many open mics as there are now, right. not as many comedy clubs. weren't as many comics. Yeah, and I usually could not get on stage Friday and Saturday. Right, because Friday and Saturday were for the people that were established right. stronger comics. And there were no open mics. Right. And there weren't really even bringer shows back right, then. Right, right. You know? So it was like, you just had to... Would you just go and hang out at the clubs anyway? I, I would... No. Uh, sometimes. A lot of them you couldn't and okay. some you could. Right. And I always kind of felt intimidated so mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Uh, but there was a place called uh, the Village Gate. Mm-hmm. It was on Bleecker Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of albums have been recorded there. Mm-hmm. It was a jazz club. It was a music club. Yeah. They had three rooms. And... Uh, so I would go in there. So I knew the guy who hosted there sometimes, or did the announcing. So I'd there and sometimes watch. And mm-hmm. Bill Hicks would perform there a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then guys who would do Boston and the Cellar would perform there. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So I didn't hang out at the club. I never like. I was never one of those confident people who would just you know, walk right in the cellar and, and sit at the A table and just start mm-hmm. schmoozing with everyone, you know, I would always yeah. like stay away, you know, I would. it's like, yeah, really? Well, I would always, That's you good. know what?
0: I always felt like if I'm friends with anybody. Oh, All right,
1: sure. But this is before I even knew. Right, anymore, right, you know? right, right. So okay. I, didn't, okay. I didn't like, you know, so I would always, I was always very, you know.
0: I, I think you and I met at, at Boston. I met you at Boston, Boston. Boston Comedy Club. Yeah. Because I remember I, the, the the memory that stands out for me, is this you or Scalero? I think it was you. You had a joke about uh masturbation, being afraid to masturbate because ghost masturb
1: ooh like, no, that's not me. That's not me. That was Brian. All okay. right, that's Scalero then. But, no, but I remember meeting you, I think, outside, outside Boston. Outside of Boston. Co- outside right on the street outside yeah. Boston Comedy. Yeah, Club. and you probably I, mid to late nineties. Yeah, mid probably guess.
0: like ninety-seven, ninety-six, yeah. okay. ninety-seven. Yeah.
1: And and uh
0: I just like Judas' style, man, cuz yeah. I I always could appreciate anyone that went left of center and just said, yeah. "You know, this is who I am." Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to sound like, be like or look like
1: anybody else, you know. That's interesting. I remember Comic telling me and I remember certainly agents cuz, you know, for years I couldn't. A lot of comedy clubs wouldn't even book me because I didn't dress up enough. Right. I remember. Right. Uh, you know, they I would and then if I worked Gotham, they would make me dress up. And, right. You know, they wouldn't but be like you don't you're not wearing a jacket, you right. your hair's long, you're right. wearing a hat. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Right.
0: You know? Right. And then yeah, I like go,
1: Well, what about like Sam Kennison Right. And then I even mention, you know, I remember at the time I'm like, Polly Shore is really popular. They're like, Yeah, he's already made it. That's different. And that's the so like, thing. They, they, they still I cause back then in, in the in the nineties and stuff, a lot of comics in the city would also work clean because they were all trying to get those Tonight Show and Letterman right, sets. Right, so right. it was like, save that dirty shit for the road. Right. Don't do that in the right. city. It's, Which was interesting. That's yeah. That's gone now. Well, I mean, especially with know.
0: a club like Gotham, because when, when yeah. Chris Mazzilli first opened
1: Gotham Comedy Club, Chris was a former comic. And, yeah, and, he, and he was the manager at New York was Comedy the manager Club. New York Comedy Club. So he club. basically went from... Trying to at the time, you know, he was like, "All right, I just worked at the most disgusting comedy club. I'm going to make the nicest comedy yeah, club."
0: Yeah, yeah. So he he wanted people to he wanted to present this this clean comedy club. Everyone but a lot of comedy clubs in and...
1: general, they wanted that. They yeah, wanted yeah. they wanted the clean cut white guy. Yeah, you know. And I remember I remember a female comic telling me, "They're like, what are you doing? Why why are you wearing the?" Gl-? I remember people telling me not to wear glasses. People right. can't see your face. Right. You should get contacts. Right. Uh, you have people a hat saying, on, people, you got. Yeah, not You got to cut your hair. Uh People saying, uh what I remember someone saying, what are you doing? You're never going to get on a sitcom. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to get on a sitcom. Right. I want to do stand-up. Which is funny stand-up. Because you wound up on a sitcom. <laughs> right, I know, I know, I know. And then uh I remember first the first time I got a commercial agent, I met with them. I was working at Crunch Fitness, mm-hmm. th- uh which was my last day job. Right. And you quit in a lady working there. Uh, a lady working there. She just thought I was funny. I was helping her with like, helping her with the machine and move some weights around. Uh, and I I can't remember what I said, but she she was like cracking up and she was like, she's like, she's like, she's like, you're funny. You should do commercials. And I'm like, Uh I would love to do commercials. I'm like, "I, uh, I know a bunch of comics who are doing commercials. I would love to do that. And she goes, well, I used to own my own agency. Oh, wow. And, uh, she goes, but I sold it. I'm out of the business. But you should call the guy who heads it up. And uh, and that was Paradigm. Oh, uh, wow. So I called Paradigm. Uh, that was my first agent. Okay. So yeah. I meet with them. And… Stacy and Doug? It was Stacey and Doug. Yeah, I met Doug. with Doug. Yeah. And they were like really nice, but, you know, a little cold and, yeah. and kind of like… And then I left. And I think they called me in for maybe a month later. They called me in one time. Uh-huh. And then six months, with the next six months, never called me. Right. <laughs> and I didn't know how the business worked. I thought, right. <laughs> I thought, I thought, <laughs> so basically they were doing that lady a favor right. and being like, all right, we'll see him. We'll throw him out on yeah. once and then, and then moving on. Because they basically thought, and I remember when I met with them, they said, you know, we think you're too extreme looking. <laughs> you know, uh, I love because, that verb. Yeah, you're too yeah. extreme. Yeah, you're extreme too extreme. extreme. Just, you know. You know, yeah. you know, because you know a lot of these, you know, these, these play in the Midwest. These commercials right. and so, so they're they're you know because I, I mean, I basically look, I, I dressed and look like I do now, except right. I was younger, right. you know. So, uh, and then I'm like, okay, all right. So, uh, so I go to her one day. I'm like, what's... us uh, yeah, I haven't heard from them in like six months. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe there's just not much going on. And she's like, no, no, call them <laughs> right. and, and try to, you know, get it again. And then yeah, uh, and then I think, and I did, and I think they sent me out a week or two later, and I booked, that. I wound up booking that commercial. Oh, what commercial? It was, was NFL, it NFL Films. And I remember uh, Gaffigan was in it. Oh, wow. Uh, who had already been doing a ton of commercials. Right, right. Uh, James Urbaniak, uh-huh. who does a lot of, he's in LA. He does, okay. not a stand-up, but very funny guy. Uh-huh. He was also an American Splendor that I, okay. which I was in, and really good actor. And then another guy, Michael Heintzman, and uh, so so that was like my first commercial, and it was it, it was really cool. And then I think the next thing they sent me on, I booked that too. Ah. So I just started booking shit left and right. You know, well, because the,
0: that's that's what's funny with with commercial. With, well, with anything in the industry, when you have, like I said, when you have a look and a yeah. style that's off left of what everybody else is doing. All it takes is one, and then once you book it, then everyone's like, yeah, that guy. Right. That yeah. guy. Because that's can, why I grew, that's why I grew can, an afro.
1: Oh, really? Oh, wow. It was because
0: someone said I look like talent. Uh, talent,
1: the comedian. Oh, really? I know talent, yeah.
0: And and I was like, I
1: don't look Sunday anything nights at like, Boston. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't look anything like him, so I said, I'm going to just grow my afro. I grew an afro and started booking, like you said, start, wow, started booking that's interesting. commercials with, mm-hmm. with, with Well, you got to be
1: funny, too. And you, know, you have to be funny, you know, too. For, to, to, keep, yeah. to keep working, you yeah. know. So, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I started, and, then I remember, and I remember before I was getting uh, scripted acting work, you know, on TV or movie stuff, mm-hmm. those agents, they would never look at me. You know, they 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 even like, though
0: you were with yeah, paradigm commercial
1: yeah yeah they'd be like oh yeah I can see you they, they I remember them saying yeah I can see you being good for commercials you know oh. just this you know just this arrogance everywhere you fucking yeah, go in man. the business you know it's like so when do, uh, when did you finally break
0: through and and start getting I'm trying to think uh, my first theatrical
1: work my first thing was a show called. I think it was, I can't remember. It. The Beat. The Beat. Yeah. Sounds like it was on UPN. Yeah, it was. Something. It oh, was. Wow. <laughs> it was. It was UPN. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a cop show. Barry Levinson. Okay. Who wrote and directed Diner. Right. uh Directed the pilot. And. Uh, That's a funny coincidence. Yeah. They had. Uh, so I was like super psyched. Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. And another guy, Derek. I forget his last name. They were the they were the leads. It was a cop show, and I played a guy who uh, snitch or a perp. <laughs> yes, I played a guy, uh, some pervy guy who's looking out his apartment window at this photo shoot of models on a New York City rooftop, and I'm like firing my shotgun at them, and. Uh, <laughs> I think Jim Norton auditioned for that part too <laughs> oh, and I, I got it. <laughs> and I, I remember we would like make some jokes of like wow, I outperved Jim Norton. Aha! Yes. yes! <laughs> so uh um so and so and the casting directors on that they were also the casting directors on Meet the Parents. Uh, so like about a year or so later I auditioned for that and that was a role they were looking at tons of people and I got it, you know, right. I like right. you know and then uh there were some other I can't remember if that was the first... I don't think that was my first TV thing, but I think... I can't remember. It might have mm. been another TV thing. Mm. I can That, means, I can't that means Judah's getting a lot
0: of... was. Yeah. You started getting... When yeah. you don't remember yeah. what your first yeah. couple of things are, yeah. that means that's yeah. how much work you're getting. Because yeah. I I pulled up your IMDb, and I was yeah. like, yo, Judah has done a lot. I remember one time Todd Lynn and I, we yeah. saw you coming from an audition in Manhattan, and yeah. we 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 all wound up sitting at... I don't know if it was... a. Uh, a Subway or a coffee Whatever yeah, yeah. And we just started Kicking it with you And yeah. we were like And and we were both like I think Todd was like Yeah man You know Cause I think American Splendor Might have just come out oh, Or okay. was about to come out And I was like Yo Judah Gets that Is getting that work Yeah And you were talking About Zoolander
1: because, oh, okay
0: and I, Which I always respected You gave They were looking for some Somebody And you Aimed them towards Godfrey
1: Yes, yes, right. That, that's right. I forgot that. I forgot that. So, Godfrey and I, I think, both helped each other get in that. Okay. So, yeah. I had done meet the parents, which Stiller right. was in. Oh, and, and a little side story here. Um, I remember, I, I, I Stiller was really nice. I only worked on that movie. It was only like a few hours, mm-hmm. and, and then they had the wrap party, and I remember talking to Stiller a little bit there, mm-hmm. and I think he might have asked if you know where I'm based, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I said New York, and uh, I said, uh, he goes, you ever come to LA? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm a little scared to go out there. You know, I don't have any, I heard if you don't have any representation, it's like you're just completely lost and right. you can't do anything. And then uh, Stiller actually recommended me to his agent. Wow. And then, and I met with them. Wow. And then after two weeks, I never hear back. <laughs> and I call him up and they said, yeah, you know, you're, uh, we think we're, you're, you're too specific Too extreme? Looking. <laughs> no. It's, no it's this too- time it was... You're too specific looking. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> so, I know in your mind, so, you're like, so, wait. So they go they go, Yeah, I don't think Ben's ever recommended anybody before. Uh and he's kind of the biggest writer, star, director in Hollywood right now. But hey. yeah, we we think you're just too extreme no, 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 they said yeah, they said too specific looking. Yeah, what was the term they used. So they passed on me. Wow. And then uh Yeah. So and I remember <laughs> Telling that distiller, and he was like, he was like so bummed out. Was like, he was bummed out. Yeah, about he was. It. Yeah, he was. Like, what yeah. The hell! But uh, oh, which, which goes to show you, that's a little story. Yeah. I mean, uh, because people always think, you know, if you're in a certain position of showbiz, you can help out everybody. Right. You can't fucking help everybody. Yeah, you yeah, can try. Yeah. You know. But, but uh, wow. So so, anyways, I had done that. Um. Zoolander. Yeah, so one night I'm 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 uh, walking into the Olive Tree, which is the mm-hmm. restaurant upstairs from the Comedy Cellar, and I see Godfrey sitting there with a the script and it says Zoolander. And I have no idea what it is. I'm like, "What's that?" And he's like, he's like, "Oh yeah, this is uh this is a new Ben Stiller movie. Uh I just auditioned for it yesterday. I got my call back tomorrow." Uh-huh. And I'm like, "Oh shit." I, I go is, I go Ben Stiller's in it?" And he goes, "Yeah, he wrote it too and he's directing it." I'm like, "Fuck. I'm like I didn't even hear about this." Right. So I can't remember. Now, as, me the parents is after Zoolander. No, that's before. Isn't it's, it? before. Yeah, I, I, it's before? Yeah, it's before. Okay. And I hadn't been. And my manager hadn't been. hadn't set me in on it. Okay. And so I'm like, uh, And I had a lot of problems with that manager. He was also right. quite the best manager I ever had, but he also had a lot of problems with him. Okay. You know, a lot of you know untruths. Right, uh, okay. Shall we say? Okay. I won't open <laughs> that can of yeah, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I got no hard feelings. And so, anyways, uh, so. So I tell Godfrey what to do with the callback. I tell him, "You go in there, man, and fucking don't don't just do it once, man. Do it. Go in there, give it everything you got. Do it the way you want. Give it everything you got, mm-hmm. and then tell him it's like, look, I can do this so many different ways. You know, I go prepare like three or four oh, different ways slick. to do it. That's you know, and then and and then uh, and then you know, ask him ask him for any notes. Like you you want it this way, you want it that way. Tell me you can do it anyway, mm, that's, and." That's uh, and then, so Godfrey said when he was in there, mm-hmm. uh, it went great. And he, and he said, uh, and that was the same, one of the same casting directors that was on Meet the Parents. Oh, okay. And so when Godfrey was in there, uh, he said it went great. And then he goes, he goes, man, you should get Judah in this movie. And then he said, oh. and then he says to the one, like, he's like, oh yeah, Judah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, oh, wow. so anyways, I was able, I can't remember if it was through my manager or just through on my own. Cause, Cause I remember, you know, Godfrey had already gone in once. Right and he was already going on his callback, I wasn't even made aware, aware of, it. of it. So yeah. I would guess that I wasn't going to be called in. Right. So I I think I even called Stiller's assistant. I think I still had her number. I called her, and I got a meeting okay. with, for, for Zoolander. And the part I played, I played Scrappy Zoolander, which is one of Zoolander's uh, coal miner brothers. Okay. Vince Vaughn was one right, of the brothers. Right, I was the other right. brother. John Voight was the yeah. dad. And initially, the script was different. In the movie, me and Vince Vaughn, we both don't have a line mm-hmm. in the movie. But in the original script, we did, but it, it got cut out. Okay. And uh, so I met with Stiller, and I think he was saying... I met with him, and he said... Uh, and the casting director. Uh, and he said that... He said... It's, he, he, goes, he goes, I'm going to find something for you to do in this movie. Uh, I'm like, fucking awesome. You love hearing you, you, that. You know. So uh, so it was like an audition slash meeting. It wasn't right. the first particular role... And he was saying that I think you I can't even remember this, but I think he was saying that the role I wound up playing mm-hmm. was written for Jack Black. I think, but or maybe the manager told me that I can't remember. I but, he, but, he he but he wasn't available. But he wasn't available. Okay. So so I wound up doing it. Wow. So wow. And home. then how did you wind up pulling Godfrey back in? So well, Godfrey wound up booking it. You know, oh, he did. Okay. I, okay. So he, Godfrey made me aware of the movie. Right. Okay. And then I told him what to do in there. And ah. so, so he dropped my name right, in there. Right, right, right. And, okay. and then he also did great, you right. know. And then and that probably helped me get in there right. too, you know, get back in their mind. You yeah, know, no, there's a lot not- of people, people forget people, to get them back in their minds. So we both wound up booking it. right? And then one day we're on set. Uh, I stopped by the set for a fitting. Godfrey's there filming. Uh-huh. And we're, we're indoors. It's in Brooklyn in some, you know, horrible warehouse that they- or abandoned building that they convert into Obviously a studio. Obviously, gentrification Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so, <laughs> so Stiller, you know, he's, he's starring in it, he's directing it, and, and he co-wrote it. And, so he's like, his mind's in a million different places. Right. So, in between, there's like a little break. He comes, he sees me and Godfrey hanging out. He comes over to us and he goes, uh, so, uh, so, what are you, so what are you guys, roommates? <laughs> and, uh, and we go, no, we're just friends. You know we're, in, you know, we're both comics and we're on the same shows like right. practically every night. And then right. he goes, oh, cool. And then, he just, then he walks off back to work <laughs> on the movie. Right. So cut to like a year later, uh-huh. I'm listening to the DVD commentary. Uh-huh. Uh, I look for my scenes and like, I'm like, oh, maybe they'll say something about me. They say nothing about me. <laughs> Godfrey scene comes up and one of the, I think it's one of the co-writers mm-hmm. goes to Ben Stiller on the DVD commentary. Go, he goes, now who's this guy? This guy's really good. His impression of you was great. And he, goes, he goes, oh, yes. This is Godfrey. He's uh, Judah Friedlander's roommate. <laughs> <laughs> and- <laughs> so I told that to Godfrey. And Godfrey goes, fuck it, man. Just keep telling him we're roommates, man. Maybe we'll keep working
0: more. Right, right, right.
1: So if Ben, you're listening, uh, we were never roommates. But I
0: know Ben still got to be a fan of the
1: Mug Protocol, but uh, thank ben. you for putting us in your memories.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and you've had a, a nice run, man. Yeah, and and, and how did that? Because I know you got to get out of here. Yeah, how did that? How did you wind up? I was always curious, what? Um, because the the world champion. Oh, the how world did, How did stuff. you develop okay. that?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. So the world champion persona, uh, and it's changed over the years. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, like I said, I always did a lot of art and stuff Mm -hmm. and at some point, I think, mid-90s, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. I started making my own hats. Okay. I was like, So what you're wearing right now? Yeah. Yeah. You made this. Yeah, actually, I designed it. Mm -hmm. I bought the blank hat. Okay. I put this on. I put the flags on. Okay. And uh, a girl who used to work at the cellar, Gina, she actually did this stitching. And what uh, what uh this what, says? World champion, and it's uh, in Star Wars language. Star Wars language. I yeah. always wondered yeah. what yeah. this
0: particular hat. Yeah. I was always trying to figure yeah. out yeah. what. Did you know that yeah. was Star Wars?
1: So, okay I, I should I, have. I, this was a I blank patch made. here. It's like a, a a patch of like the Earth of the globe. Okay, I I drew that. Okay, uh, the, but she did the stitching of these letters. But most of the hats, I do all the stitching and everything. But this one, she actually did this. We'll make sure we get so,
0: a picture. Yeah, of that.
1: Um, so. Uh, so the world champion stuff, my act, has all, since the beginning, has always been very joke-heavy. You know, mm-hmm. I do a lot mm-hmm. of jokes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't do a lot of story stuff. Right. But I do a lot of jokes. Right. And then uh, I've always been really crowd-interactive, doing a lot yeah. of crowd work. Yeah. I've always done a lot of Your crowd ca- work. Crowd work is awesome. Thanks. I've always done a lot of that. Always b- very joke-heavy. When I first started, my act wasn't very persona-heavy. Because, okay. you know, you're also you're new and, it's, you know, your point of view may not be there yet. Right. And also, it's changed over the years. I was 19 when I started. So, right. I would do jokes about being the young guy, you know. Right. You know, and now I'm the old guy. You know, right. Or, uh, but, uh, so, at a certain point, I think this is probably early 90s. I started doing some sets where if I didn't have enough new jokes to work on, I would just do 100% crowd work. Okay. Uh, and I remember uh, Gladys Simon used to have a room at Hamburger Harry's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but she was usually never there. Adam Hunter was running the room. Oh wow. At the time, he was running the room. He was living in, the in LA RV. now. Yep, yeah. and he was running the room. And Hunter uh,
0: Adams, I remember when he was Hunter Adams. Oh, was he? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think he's had a few names yeah. over the years. <laughs> he goes by Adam Hunter now. Yeah, right now, he's just like, Adam I'm Hunter. so confused now. I'm like, is yeah. that yeah? So, but uh, so Adam's there. there, uh, and. He would always put me up, and uh, New York can be one of those places more so than not—not not as much now, but back then, when the city was a little more dangerous and mm-hmm. stuff. No matter who you were, if you were the coolest guy, if you were the richest guy, most powerful person for whatever country or town you're from, mm-hmm. you come to New York, get a little intimidated, and mm-hmm. you're you're not mm-hmm. quite as cool as you right, are, right. and you're a little bit uh, a little bit more. Uh, you know, wimpy. New York's know. the ultimate equalizer. You know, you know, but now it's it doesn't really right. feel that way. Right. Now people come here and they feel like they all own the city. Right. right. You know, but back then people... It's millennial. It's the yeah, media generation. Yeah, right? yeah and, <laughs> and the city's safer, you know. Yeah, it is safer. It's too. like, uh, so I used to go in there and just, just, you know, I remember at the time, it seemed like all the comics were trying to bond with the audience. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to act like I can't relate to these people at all. Right. So, I would just do all crowd work and just talk about how I'm just so much better than everyone. <laughs> it's just being a total asshole. You know? And, 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 yeah. and you, this,
0: you're making a concerted effort to do this. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah. And then, and also at the time, um, and since I was a little kid, I was obsessed with world records. Okay. Uh, I had the Guinness Book of World Record book when I was a kid. and We have like five of them that's upstairs. That's awesome, yeah. 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 I had those, and I remember being a kid— you know, like, you know, when I'm eight, you know. When I was eight, I tried to bake the, break the pogo stick record. <laughs> I had a pogo ah. stick. And it was, I think it was supposed to be, I think the record was like eight hours straight. And which was, was made by an adult. Uh, or maybe it was 14 hours straight. I can't remember. But I did, I remember I did over an hour straight. Wow! And for an eight-year-old, that's a long that's time an hour. And I was like, this is so boring. I, I, I could have kept going. And I'm like... I'm going to do something else. You know, <laughs> you know but, but I'm like, this is just really boring. I got to do something else. So I, um, but I always was obsessed with those Guinness Book of World Records. So at the time I started writing some jokes about these ridiculous world records that I had broken. Uh, and I so I, and I made a hat that said record breaker. Uh, I had to, so this is pre-World Champ. I had a hat Do you said, still have that? Yeah, I do somewhere. It's yeah, like a collector's yeah. item. The, yeah, that says record breaker. So- I was doing a thing where I just kind of sh- just not, not ripping people in the crowd, but shit on them in the way where I just talk about how I'm so much better than right. them and I can't relate to any of their problems and have some jokes about these amazing athletic feats of these world records that mm-hmm. I've broken. So that's how it first kind of started. And then I thought, I'm going to make a hat that says world champion. Mm-hmm. So I came with this idea. I'm going to make a hat that says world champion, but I'm not going to say of what. And that, and because I do a lot of crowd work, that'll draw people into me. Right. And they'll be like, well, world champion of what? what right. are you? So that'll make them ask questions, mm-hmm. which will help my crowd work. And then, and then it's, and that world champion still fit in with those record breaker mm-hmm. type jokes I was doing of breaking world records. Right. So at first, it was this playing, and you know, my, I remember, you know, like I said, I played a lot of sports as I was a kid and my dad was, you know, he always raised us where it's like, you know, don't brag. You know, it's like, I remember, you know, whoever it was. I remember even, you know, you know, much later as an adult, you know, watching Barry Sanders, uh, you know, like the greatest, you know, so much better than every running back. Right. Never celebrated after a touchdown. You know, right. he would just drop the ball and just jog right back. <laughs> you know, just serious face the right. whole time. You know, and so my dad would always like, he'd like point at out, always like, you know, look up the stuff like that, right. you know, where he just like. Embracing you know, humility. Yeah, right. yeah. Not, not being the hot dog. Right. So, what I was doing early on was a couple things was, was you know, making fun of of, of the hot dog, the, the okay. bragging person, okay. you know. The, the, and and it still goes on today, you know, the me, me, me stuff. Just right. look at me how great I am instead of being, you know, more humble. You know, so that was one of the commentaries that was going with that. And then, so that's how it kind of first started. It, was, it, it wasn't like it was, oh, I got one idea and this is right, going to be right, my character. Right. It, it, it kind of gradually grew and right. grew with the, you know, with the crowd work angle, with the joke angle, with the the art angle of making your own stuff, and then uh, and then going on stage and just kind of developing it as you go. And then it's changed over the years. So it started out as this bragging kind of character, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. making fun of the, the, the asshole who thinks he's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then it started morphing into being like a real life superhero. Mm-hmm, right. Like the world right. champion right. isn't bragging, he's just...
0: Staying actually very facts. humble. Right,
1: yeah. And just, you know, letting people know what he did that day. Right. Happened to be amazing. You right. Know, you know, and then, uh, and then, and then, I think that's brilliant. So then, <laughs> so then, uh, it started becoming, I started getting into the like areas that were more like martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, doing a lot of like martial arts jokes. because right. So I always found like, well, you art. have
0: another book out. Well, I, have I, another have book. I have another book? I have another book. You
1: can get it on Amazon for a penny actually. It's uh, it sells for about a penny now a used copy and uh and then I think the shipping is 4.99. So, if you want to save your money, buy it that way. Right. Uh it's called How to Beat Up Anybody. Right. And I just want to say to anyone listening, if you do buy it, do not buy the digital version because they did not let me design that, uh, and it's missing about 60% of the book. Oh. Uh, so so buy the paperback, paperback for a paperback, penny okay. and uh, pay the $4.99 for shipping. Right. Uh, or you can buy it new either, uh, either way. Um, so, and then things started, I started doing more jokes about being like the greatest sexual uh, mm-hmm. being on the planet. And then more recently, the past several years, the world champion has become a person who is... Like, like about four years ago, I started, four or five years ago, I started doing all these jokes about, uh, you know, you know, real issues in this country. Mm-hmm. And then talking about how I'm going to be the next president, mm-hmm. uh, the world champion. Mm-hmm. So, being a champion for the world. Right, And okay. for the people okay. of the world. Right. So, that's what it's, it's kind of, you know, while still having that superhuman right. uh, abilities, but also being someone who's pointing out all the hypocrisies and injustices right. within our country. And right, like you said, you are right.
0: talking about gentrification right. and uh, class really, issues and social issues. Yeah,
1: and heavy issues. So mm-hmm. so the world champion now is, while it has all that other background of the being like this superhuman, it's also somebody who is tackling uh, all the issues that are, you know, troublesome in this right. country, whether it's, you know, sexism, racism, classism, right. or, you know, those are the biggest ones, right. I'd say probably, and income inequality. Uh, so, um, so, so that's how it's kind of morphing. So it's always kind of changing. It's, it's always in, in, evolving. In yeah, you know, like so, like Bruce Lee said, "Be like water." That's right. Be like water. Right.
0: You know, always, always towards enlightenment, environment. Yeah. And and lastly, let me ask you. I, I could go on for another couple hours oh, with you, but with Thirty Rock, I always yeah. wondered: how, Did thirty? Did they come to you for Thirty Rock? Because by the no. time you you auditioned. Yeah. Did you audition in full world
1: champion I, I uniform? Can't, I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. No, never. Okay, okay. I've been saying for a decade for unbelievable. this podcast. Man. Unbelievable. I, I just remember this just now. Okay, because you're in this story. Oh, really? You're oh, in wow. this story. Wow. Okay, this is <laughs> okay. exciting. So, I remember I was with Gersh Agency. Okay. I didn't have a manager. Okay. And you were with Gersh too, right. I yeah, believe. Yeah. So, so yeah. I had an audition Two auditions came up around the same time. Real quick, don't tell me that I lost out
0: to you. No, I'm just playing. No, no, I mean, no, no, I'm just no. no. no, no, no. <laughs>
1: but there were two auditions that came up around the same time, and I think I first went in for Thirty Rock, and okay. it wasn't called Thirty Rock then; it was the Untitled right. Tina right. Fey Pilot. And and I, I remember work took me out to L.A. for a couple years, mm-hmm. and uh, just the film. long story on that. It's okay. I, I. I booked an Eddie Murphy movie, De Niro, Showtime. Eddie Murphy movie Showtime. called Showtime,
0: which yeah. actually yeah. I saw recently yeah. when it first came out. I was like, yeah. I don't want to see this because this was like when Eddie was starting to do movies where you're like, what? Right. <laughs> but then I, I saw it recently. I was like, this was actually, I, I put it's, the word actually.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Actually was decent. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. And uh, so I booked that. Uh, I was out there doing, I think, one day on how high and, and one mm-hmm. day on a. Late night stand up show. I think okay. it was called Late Friday. I think okay. it was called. And uh, while I was out there, I had a callback for Showtime, and I booked it. Okay, and I was starting to film almost right away. Okay, and it was a, it was my biggest job, and it was a it was a three and a half months of filming. Oh, uh, so I was nice. like, and I was booked as what they called a local hire. Okay, and I don't oh, know what that That meant were, that meant. Oh, damn. That meant, oh you, you live in New York? Well, we're not going to put you up in a hotel right. for L.A. here. Now you, you gotta. You have to pay friend. for that yourself, right? Geez. So I'm like, I'm not going to pay for a hotel for three and a half months. Right. I'm just going to find a cheap apartment, right? So I found an apartment for six seventy five a month, okay, a studio in uh, right in Hollywood. There, kind of near where the UCB theater okay. is now, okay. yeah. which wasn't there when I was there, right? Um, and Central I had a to studio East Hollywood, yeah, 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 right near Thai Town, right? And uh, uh so I um. So I had a cheap place. It was six seventy five a month, mm-hmm. and the place I was living at in the time in Brooklyn in Greenpoint, because mm-hmm. uh, I lived in Greenpoint before it really changed. Right. I paid six seventy five a month. Wow! At the top floor of a townhouse, I had five rooms for six seventy five a month, just me. Wow! And yeah, you, so. never,
0: you You never thought to like ask comics, "Hey, you want to? You would rent a room?" And <laughs> because you could have, like, a lot of cats. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Story. I did do that. But a little lot bit, of cats would have said, "Shoot, six seventy five a month, I can get." three guys to pay me two, $300 oh, yeah. a no, month.
1: I, that never occurred to me to have roommates. Yeah. I'm like, I'm privacy guy. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm like, nah. So I never did that. But, uh, so, so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I, my rent is like much lower than normal in New York. Right. And, in LA, I, I so I got a six month lease. It's easy. The, the leases you can do shorter in LA than New they York They know in, people are in shooting. General, right. You know, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's more transient, you okay. know, so, I'm like, all right, I'll do a six-month lease here and then uh, that'll still be cheaper, much cheaper than paying for a hotel. So I started renting a place there and uh, I kept it. And after the movie... For the next like year and a half after that movie, I kept both places. Right, right. And I was paying six seventy five each, so I was still paying. You're still paying less than probably what less than most people were paying, or about the same what most people were paying at the time. Because I was you probably know. was this around 2000, this is 2000 to two thousand four. I was
0: yeah. So I I think I was in Park Slope around two thousand or two thousand one two thousand. I was in Park Slope for about. A three bedroom, nice new, new newly renovated townhouse it was about thirteen hundred. So you were paying, okay.
1: yeah, for two spaces on two different yeah. coasts. Yeah, well, for about the same, for about the yeah. same. So yeah. that's a good look. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, so I can, I I can afford this because right, I'm,
0: You're my working. apartments are
1: both fifty percent. You know, they're probably like sixty to seventy percent cheaper than. Everywhere. Well, the, the LA, I mean, LA is much cheaper than New York. So that that apartment. That might have been a little cheap for LA, but that was more the that was more of a going rate. Okay, than, but but for New York, what I had was cheap. Yeah. Um. So so I kept that for a while, and then I had to move out of the one in New York because uh, the landlady died. It was an old uh, Polish lady, okay. and uh, her son sold the building. Everybody so,
0: had an old Polish landlord Well, that well, or
1: was back then. Greenpoint was like ninety seven percent Polish. I had one in yeah. Sunset Park. Park. Okay. Slope okay. Years ago. Uh so, so then cool. I moved to Dittmar's Astoria. Okay. And I had a one bedroom with a backyard, garage, and a driveway parking spot for $1,200. I just, I, yep, yeah, I You guess. called it exactly. And I was like, I don't think I can keep this up too much right, longer. Right. And then after being in that apartment for a month, one night, uh, the, uh, um, like a thunderstorm's happening and I, I think I hear a leak in the bathroom uh, and, with the next ten minutes, the entire place got flooded with sewage. You know? oh! So it's just, you know, there's dirt, there's shit, there's water. That's no, it's like it's sewage. like it's like an inch or so of water throughout the entire apartment. Ugh. And I'm like, and then I found I f- found out that like the same thing happened on that block like the year earlier. Ugh. And then and I called the landlord and uh, anyway, I have a long huge story yeah. about that. It's funny, but I won't get into that. So basically, I was like. All right, I'm out of here. I I'm, guess I'm going to yeah, L.A. for Yeah, good. so I'm like, I guess I'm going to move to L.A. Right. <laughs> so I'm not going to stay in this apartment. Right. It's too expensive, and it's uh, flooded with sewage, so I have a place in L.A., so I just drove to L.A. I never planned on moving there. Right. And then after about being there, so that was about 2002, that happened. Mm-hmm. Then in 2004, I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm just going to go back home. Right. So then I just <laughs> got rid of the place, and I came back. Right. So... Um, but we were we so, were on uh, something. Uh, what was Gershon and me and, and oh yeah, 30 Rock. so Thirty Rock you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, so so I get back to New York. Uh-huh. It's around uh, I get back to New York in 2004. So right. I think around 2005, yeah, ish 2006 is when I got the audition for Thirty right, Rock. She was she was she was leaving SNL or just yeah, that, yeah. So it was, it was 2005 or 2006. Right. I think it was 2005, maybe Probably I can't remember. Five. So I had the audition and I was like I'd never met Tina Fey mm-hmm. and I was like. And I was a big fan of her. I saw a two woman show that her, her and Rachel Dratch, Dratch yeah. did. That's how that's how Tina got
0: on SNL. Oh, Rachel, really? Right, from what I understand, Rachel was hired and Tina was hired as a writer.
1: Oh, interesting. interesting.
0: Uh, or Rachel got there and pulled Tina in. I, oh, I, interesting. But but
1: yeah, I always uh, they so, they were a duo. I saw their show and I thought it was great. Yeah. And uh, and of course, you know, I, I knew I knew Tina from you know she had been anchoring the news on right. uh, SNL. I'm like right. she's the head writer among Tina's a. You know, a great talent. Yeah. So I'm like and I like I said, I never planned on doing a sitcom. And I right. was like, well, this shoots in New York. Mm-hmm. Tina Teen, it's Tina's show. So it's not like the Screw writing's them. gonna go down because right. they'll you know, they'll hire cheap writers at some point. It's like, well, she's always gonna be a writer on it, right. so it's it's gonna stay good. Right. So I'm like, and then Alec Baldwin was attached. I'm right. like, love his movies, right. you know. So I'm like, I think he's a great actor. So I'm like And at this the time you didn't know
0: he's a he's funny. No, well, I no,
1: I, I yeah. no, because uh, you even know though he, know he was that SNL funny, but but but, but you know, I had seen him do funny stuff, okay, and and okay. Uh, but but Alec wasn't his career. He didn't have that much going on at right, that point, right? You know, uh, he because he, he didn't have a t- no one. He wasn't doing TV at right. all then. Most really movie people weren't weren't right, yeah. and his movie career wasn't really right. going anywhere at right. the time, even though he was a great actor. Uh so literally, like I think shortly after that uh, audition. Uh had an audition for Studio 60 on the Studio Sunset. Studio 60 on the Sunset. I, we saw each other. We, at
0: auditioned, that audition. together for it. we that. auditioned together oh, for it. I do remember. We auditioned together for it. totally forgot. So that. I know. I just oh, wow. remembered. It.
1: So so my agent at Gersh kept bugging me to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just moved back to New York. Mm-hmm. And I knew if I got that show, I'd have to cut my hair. I'd have to move to LA. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to move back to LA. And for stand-up reasons, I didn't want to cut my hair and completely change my look. Because right. I was auditioning for a cast member on the Studio 60 right. cast, right. you know, within the show. Right. And sketch guys in general, if, if you're on one of those SNL-type shows, mm-hmm. you can't have, like, a lot of facial hair or, or like, a stuff because you're, you're, you're always clean, wearing, wearing costumes and wigs and stuff. Right. So you, you have to have kind of a clean right, slate. a clean slate. And, yeah. and I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to focus on my stand-up stuff. Right. So, so I kept saying no to that audition. Mm-hmm. And then my agent goes to me. She goes, look, just go and audition for it. Dean's going in and audition for it this week. Just audition with Dean. And I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'll audition with Dean. I like Dean. I'll audition with That's Dean. Funny. And uh, so I wound up on that show. They wound up offering me a role, not the part I auditioned for mm-hmm. when I auditioned with you, okay. but a smaller role that was a, a not a series regular, but a, but a, a featured player mm-hmm. that would come mm-hmm. on you know uh sporadically right, you know right. a, a recurring role and for those so. that
0: don't know the studio it's funny NBC had two shows with a similar premise Aaron Sorkin who people know from uh what was the Facebook movie uh, uh the social network and he, he was an Oscar the social network yeah. also multiple Emmys West Wing just uh did uh, the show on HBO the
1: newsroom right. um and at the time when those so the so NBC had two shows two pilots in the world. And one was right. already committed to series, I right. think, which was Studio 60. Studio 60. And that was basically, con- they were considering that. They were already marketing it as baby. their next big that show. That was their next big this show was because it was going their, their dynasty right. show that's going to run for 10 years and be the right. biggest show, like an ER type show. Because the West Wing, coming right. off
0: the success of the West Wing and, and Sorkin's writing, yeah. they were like, oh,
1: it's is gold. Yeah. And uh, 30 Rock was a comedic take Around the same subject area, behind the scenes of a right. sketch comedy TV show. That had almost no hype No behind. hype. None. So some people were telling me. So I had an offer to do a recurring role on Studio, on Studio 60, 60 right. and a regular role on right. 30 Rock. And some people were telling me to do the Aaron Sorkin one. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was, to me, it was an easy call. Right. It was an easy call. I, I'm like well, I'm going to do the, the Tina Fey one because right. that's here, you know. And and, and she knows and, what she's and, and talking I'm about. And I'm like, I think Baldwin, because uh, they, they kept talking about all the huge stars that are in Studio 60. Can I think who was on there? Oh, well, uh, DL was on DL it. DL was uh, on there. Uh, you had Columbus uh,
0: Short, who wound up on
1: Scandal. Matthew with, Perry. Matthew Perry. Bradley Whitford. Whitford, okay. Amanda Peet. You know, so, I mean, a okay, lot, so they did lot of have, good yeah, people. Yeah. But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, Alec Baldwin's a bigger <laughs> star than any of those people. <laughs> right, you know what right. I mean? It, it's like, and I'm like, it, it shoots right here, and it's funny. Yeah, you know, and and that's the thing. I thought I thought that Studio 60 dramatically was good, comedically I didn't like Ugh. it, and uh, no. and and Thirty Rock script I thought was good. Yeah, and uh, so I wound up booking Thirty Rock, and I and I went with that. And Did about- they ever use uh, booking? Because network
0: television is very incestuous. Everybody yeah. knows everything. So do yeah. you think booking Studio 60?
1: helped your stock go up on on 30 Rock at all? I think I, you know, I don't know that because I think Studio 60, I I can't remember, but I think they wanted to get an answer like right away. Of course. Where 30 Rock, I think I was, I was basically in the running for that for like six months. Wow. I remember remember auditioning for Tina. I'd never, because a lot of people on that show, she wrote the parts for them. Right. Uh, So, but I wasn't one of those. So I auditioned. And I remember she was, I think a week later, she gave birth to her first child. Right, her first child. Right. So, and then I think it was like, I, I auditioned. It went great. And I think it wasn't until like six months later I found out I got it. So uh,
0: you said, you said no to Studio 60 without a guarantee.
1: I, I can't remember the okay, timing okay. of those two shows. because the, that's, that's, They premiered the same season. Yeah. But the audition process, I can't remember how far apart they were Studio
0: 60 probably was during pilot season versus Tina's. If she was still... Tina's was October I auditioned for her, I think. Okay.
1: And then, so you're right. So the Studio 60 audition probably came much later. Right. But, uh, and I don't know if I had had the offer for 30 Rock yet. I'm not sure. I may have, but we may not have filmed it yet. I just can't remember. Right, right, right. Um, But for me, it was an easy decision. I'm like, it's Tina, it's Alec, and... I like the script, and it's here in New York.
0: I almost feel guilty because they, they used my name to get you to go to the one that wound up getting oh, canceled. Know. That could have been tragic. Yeah. <laughs> that could have made this a different podcast episode, man. <laughs> Dean, I wanted to tell you I have uh, something I've been holding back for a long time. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I never even thought of that. But y'all, so y'all rocked out, what was yeah. it, six years? Seven six seasons. seasons. Seven seasons, seasons. Yeah, Multiple Emmy Awards,
1: SAG yeah. Awards. Yeah. Where do you put all your awards? Because well, I I don't get any of the Emmy awards. That, no, I know I that know. only goes to the producers. People no, I, think the cast gets. No, Emmy no, no.
0: Trust me, I yeah, I know yeah, because we yeah. won we won an Emmy for my first year on SNL. Yeah, we yeah. we got the I feel I do. Was it the best writing? I think we got the. I think we won best. the Emmy because it was in the shadow of nine eleven, and we were like we were this institution that right, was. Right.
1: And you had some of those serious. Uh, you had like yeah, a, one, yeah, that one, and like and we had one. the anthrax scare. Like right, later, right, right, right. so right. it was. I think
0: we we triumphed right. over adversity right. and s- remained funny. Yeah, and, and so when when yeah. uh, I remember watching the writers on the on the Emmy stage, I was like, "I'm gonna get an
1: Emmy." they were like, "Nah, dog, you don't yeah. you not get that. That's <laughs>
0: that's a uh, yeah." Your no, we me. uh.
1: uh I have a SAG award. Okay. Because uh, they, they gave, for the it got cast. best ensemble cast. Right, ensemble, so, right. Uh, so I got that. And then I think there was an American Film Institute award where I got some kind of plaque or something. But
0: you got to go to a lot of award shows. Too. Yeah, no, we yeah. won the Emmy. I used to love, let me tell you, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I used to love, because anytime you see your people there, like Ian Edwards made a good yeah. point years ago. He said, man, I remember watching Wanda Sykes uh, on stage Winning like an Emmy and an Ace Awards with Chris Rock for Chris Rock show, and that made me say, "Yo, it's possible." That, yeah. And so that that's I always use it as inspiration. So I'm yeah. watching
1: Ian impression. Too. Oh,
0: th- yeah.
1: <laughs> Man, I love it. I
0: appreciate that. So yeah. watching you yeah. sitting at the 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 table in the room at the yeah. Golden Globes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not and,
1: the I was never at the Golden Globes, but no, it was probably okay, the, the SAG Awards okay, or the Sags Emmys. SAG or the, the Emmys, Emmys. Yeah. You know. And, yeah, because and, and the Tracy, first year we you know, won. Know, uh, I remember, like right before they announced that uh, our category, Uh Tina goes, "If we win, we're all going on stage." Right, that. We all just go on stage. Yeah, Yeah, it was awesome. That was dope. Yeah, it was so cool. It was
0: dope, man. It was
1: cool. Uh, No, that was that was was a lot of fun. Uh, uh,
0: When a show like that, because that's Thirty Rock was like a cultural. It was part of the lexicon. I just been wanting to use that word on this podcast. but it really was was this cultural phenom in that it wasn't the highest rated show, but but it lasted, which yeah, is yeah, which yeah. is an exception because the the standard rule in Hollywood is if if the show's not getting like for instance Craig Robinson's show just premiered right right um, and it's the highest rated. New com- new summer comedy in like four to six years. Wow, good for and, him. And I'm happy because that's my man. Oh, and six million guy. viewers. Now six million is not a lot, right? But if you frame it correctly, if the PR team does the right thing and says, right. "Okay, it's six million in the summer," right?
1: And so now it sounds like it's more. What did you What did you say, y'all? Y'all, would average? I don't know. I don't know what it was. I know, like in regular TV ratings. We weren't very high at all. Right. But I think on DVR, we were actually quite high.
0: Okay, okay. You so that it
1: was a nice balance. Yeah. And that's the thing. Most shows nowadays, if they did, if they do... Well, you know, we were, like, I think actually, because Studio 60 on the Sunsets trip, that got canceled yeah, the first yeah, season. Yeah. But I think they got better ratings than us. Yeah, they but, did, but, but it, it was got an canceled hour. It, was, it was an hour, And their show was so much more expensive than ours, right, I think. Right, right. Because they had so many... You know, they had bigger production value. Multiple cameras and a bigger bigger crew. Bigger cast. Right. You, know, you guys so. are one camera. Single um, camera? Yeah, but they but we shoot with two. Right. But but, right. but they call it a single camera. Right, right, yeah. right.
0: Yeah. yeah. All the all those things, for those that don't know, those yeah. those things add to the budget of a of a yeah. TV show. So they kept the the, the numbers low. Yeah. So, uh, so to to keep a good a good thing going, yeah, you know, and I think yeah. it, uh hey man, salute to that. Yeah. Do you have any
1: any films that you've worked on that are you're waiting to be released? Uh, right now, no. <laughs> I me. did a little, uh, wet hot American summer, first day of Netflix. camp, Netflix on Netflix. Uh, it was right. a movie years ago, which I had a little part in. Now it's a TV series. Right. It was like a cult classic. Yeah, i kind have of in about yeah. two episodes of that. Okay, um, okay. That was fun. Now, right now, I just I just finished the book. Okay, that'll be in. Inst- I actually have to go uh, right now to the publisher. Okay,
0: to, okay. So book over. Blame, you blame me. Blame tell the yeah. publisher
1: it's my fault. And then, yeah.
0: no, and and also uh, for those that you make sure you check out the first episode to to get the first part of my, my sit down with Judah Friedlander his new book If the Raindrops United. Drawings and Cartoons by Judah Friedlander. Comes out on October 20... 20- 20th. 20th. October yep. 20th. So y'all make sure you go go cop that. You can buy his old book on uh, on Amazon for a penny and pay 4 dollars shipping. What was the name of that book again?
1: It is How to, called How to Beat Up Anybody.
0: How to Beat Up Anybody. He's the world champ. Uh, you can follow Judah. Well, I, I'm per- plugging your stuff because I know yeah. you got to uh, bounce. Yeah. You can check out his stuff on his website, judahfriedlander.com. And so,
1: social media is just at Judo World Champ. J U D A H World Champ.
0: And Friedlander is spelled F-R-I-E-D, fried, and then Lander, L-A-N-D-E-R. Man, Judah, it's it's been a pleasure sitting here.
1: Good hanging out, Uh, man. Yeah,
0: kicking it and and reminiscing, man. And uh, yo, man, uh, this is the Father Monkey Protocol. Y'all subscribe, like, comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all things comedy. It's all love. It's your man, Dean Edwards. Follow me at I Am Dean Edwards. And we'll catch y'all next time. On the For Market Protocol, bring in the horns, man. The horns are going. I'm sorry. Uh, It's all love. Two fingers. Big Mike, thanks again for the sounds. We'll catch y'all next time. Beasy.